This is the Offseason Podcast. Today is September 6th. I am your host, Ryan Hammer, and I will be joined today by a current NBA agent to understand the insides of the basketball world. We're going to talk about the NBA draft process, the NBA free agency and contract negotiation, basically everything that we as fans and media and social media people think we know about, and we really have no idea how they actually go down. I'll also get to your questions in the weekly Q&A, and we're adding a brand new weekly segment where I analyze one off-season move in sports, whether it's a new free agent contract or a trade, uh, and we'll go from there. Hope you guys enjoy. I'm very excited to welcome on my hometown friend and current NBA agent with XL Sports Management, Jared Mucha. Jared, first of all, welcome, and thanks for being on here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dude, anytime. Um, I think this has been a long time coming. Uh, and I think having someone at your caliber and your position is going to be really good for me, myself, and definitely people to get a good insight to on the other side of the industry and stuff. So, um, but yeah, well, we'll let's, hop, let's sort of hop right into it. I want to give you the floor first to tell the people who you are, your background, where you come from, anything about you, and whatever you want to tell us. Yeah. So, um, we grew up in the same town. We're neighbors for, for a little bit growing up oh, yeah. um, in Alvin, New Jersey. Um, you know, uh, always kind of had an idea that I wanted to work in sports or entertainment growing up. Um, just kind of fell into basketball. You know, I was always a big basketball fan growing up. Um, went to Indiana University uh, where I was in the Kelly School of Business there. Um, came in as a freshman with the idea I wanted to work for the basketball team. My older brother was a student manager at Rutgers, and that kind of gave me the thought that that would be a good way to get my foot in the door and kind of break through in the, in the basketball world. Um, so I, I had interviewed to be a, a manager at Indiana University, not knowing uh, how competitive and how much of a big deal that was at the time. Uh, I always tell the story of kind of when, when I went to this orientation to be, uh, to be a manager and kind of just like a, a general meeting for all like prospective managers coming in. It was like 50 kids. Um, and it was just like a very intimidating process. And I was like, basketball is different out here in the state of Indiana, <laughs> the religion out here. Um, so it was a pretty crazy interview process just, just to be a manager. Um, I remember, uh, I went in for my interview and it was like a half a circle of people that worked for the staff. It was like eight guys. And I just had like God. one seat in front of them. And I was just like, wow, this is not what I expected. Um, <laughs> so it was just them firing away questions at me. Um, you know, I, I felt like I had a little bit of an advantage just because my familiarity with Seth and working for Rutgers and, right. um, you know, having an idea kind of how the video, uh, side of things work. Um, so yeah, I was lucky enough to get called in. Um, they had like a select guys that called in for like four spots. Um, and you know, I, I was lucky enough kind of, I had like a week of like a trial period there kind of, they could see you do some work and be around the guys and everything. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get the job as a, as a manager my freshman year and, um, you know, not really knowing how much of a full-time job it was going to be, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I felt like that was really super important kind of to, to take that next step into, you know, networking and being around a program. And, um, you know, it's one of those things working 40 hours a week, being at practices, doing, you know, a lot of the, uh, the scout stuff and video work. And uh, it was a lot, but, uh, you know, I, I was lucky because when I came in, um, you know, we had guys like Victor Oladipo there, Christian Watford. Yeah. Um, so it was just a really Cody Zeller was in my freshman class. Um, so it was just a really good time period for Indiana um, when they were back on the map. And, you know, we always had NBA personnel coming in to watch practice oh, and yeah. 
uh, it was just a great opportunity for me, uh, you know, to be part of a program on the rise like that. And, uh, you know, I was kind of able to network and build relationships with the players and the staff. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of helped me get my internship at Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an internship with Excel my sophomore year. Um, you know, Cody Zeller uh, was with Excel. Uh, Jordan Holes is with Excel. Um, you know, so I think having Indiana men's basketball on my resume kind of like stood out at that time. Yeah. Just because, you know, we had a lot of NBA prospects uh, on the team. And um, so I had an internship that summer at Excel. Um, by no means was it just like a basketball internship. Like it was right. very much so like just a, uh, an internship where I had to do anything and everything for all different groups at Excel. Um, Excel was a lot smaller at the time. Um, but, you know, I was running, running all kinds of errands, just doing, doing, you know, um, the tedious work. Typical uh, intern stuff. Yeah, exactly. Typical yeah. intern stuff. Like it wasn't this glitzy and glamorous internship. Uh, it was unpaid. I was commuting from an Alpin. You know how, how enjoyable that commute is. Yeah. We're uh, not going to talk about that. Yeah. But it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. Um, you know, I felt like I, I worked hard and, you know, I kind of made a good impression and built strong relationships with strong relationships with the other basketball agents. Um, and then the next summer, uh, we had a, we were actually preseason number one in the country my sophomore year. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, Noah Vonley was, was uh, a big time guy at the time. He ended up signing with Excel. So I, I ended up getting fortunate enough to have another internship with Excel <laughs> my uh, junior year going into senior year, which is more focused in the basketball group. Um, that was Noah's draft class also, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool just because I got to do a lot of stuff with him in the pre-draft process. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I had another, another summer internship there. So, so two times running and, you know, just furthered those relationships with the agents. And, um, and I was lucky enough once I graduated, uh, I had a, I had a job at Excel, um, which, which is pretty exciting. And, uh, going on seven years now, I've been in Excel like six, six years and a couple months. Uh, so it's, it's been quite the ride. Yeah, I feel like a huge like you hear these stories about all the time where whether it's like front office personnel for teams or agents like agencies, whatever it is, people always start at the bottom somewhere like there's you can't just jump in off nothing of no experience, stuff like that. I think it sounds like you being able to connect connect with the guys at Indiana so well on a personal level probably helps you out so much as an agent because that's your job. Like you, you're connected with these guys day to day, like all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, the um, being able to relate to players. Uh, in the sport agent industry, super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just think like there's so much day to day you have to do with them. So to be able to relate with them and connect with them on, you know, not just a business level, but a personal level, uh, it certainly goes a long way. Um, you know, these guys, you're so much part of their life. They don't want to be, you know, interacting with someone who's just like, right. you know, just like this, this like unrelatable, boring person that doesn't have much of a personality. Like, you know, they want someone that will have a lot of energy and you know, that they can trust and relate to. So uh, it's, it's definitely really important. Yeah. Sp- speaking of those guys, like if, if you want to share, if there's a list or a couple of guys just to get people in people's minds of who you do represent, who you do work with, like for the most part. Yeah, I know for sure. So when I started at Excel, obviously, you know, I didn't start off as an agent. That was one of those right. things I had to put in my time. And when, you know, the boss man said I was ready to become an agent, then I would take the test and, um, you know, get certified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually started off at Excel doing what we call like client servicing or, or we call them marketing managers. Um, so, you know, I was doing players day to day, but because I was an agent, I wasn't, you know, on their, what we call SPAC, which is their right. standard player, you know, agent contract. Um, so I started off doing like day to day and that was kind of my relationship part with the guys. Um, you know, I was running our, what we call our pre-draft process. So 
uh, I was able to, you know, forge those relationships as soon as those guys were training mm-hmm. for the NBA draft. Um, so I started, you know, off working with uh, actually a lot of our Euro guys. So uh, like Furkan Korkmaz, Timothy Luau, Dario Saric, those were all guys that I kind of met as soon as they came to the U.S. to prepare for the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Um, guys I represent now um, are Edmund Sumner on the Pacers, Nick Richards on the Hornets, um, Goga Batadze on, on the Pacers, uh, Sandra Mamou Kelashvili on the Bucks. Oh, yeah. uh, Dario on the Suns, Furkan on the Sixers, uh, Tim uh, Luau. Um, I know I'm missing a couple others. Uh, okay, you don't. But, you don't. Uh, you don't you're not gonna get everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's around eight guys now in the NBA, and then I have guys overseas as well that I work with. Nice. That's uh that is cool. And I, I was actually gonna ask you anyway about like the draft process. Like, there's obviously nuances to things where so you start off working with a lot of guys in the draft process versus like obviously guys in the league you're preparing for such different things and like the off seasons can go the off season can be one thing for guys that are vets and are already in the league but for the guys that are entering the draft like what are those core things that you focus on with them because I feel like maybe they're not as obviously they want to get their bags they want to get what they deserve but like they're focused on going to the right spot like going through the the actual basketball draft process rather than like contract negotiation at first at least right yeah so you know, as they as they enter, you know, they leave college or, you know, in some cases it's a different situation. But right. as you know, they kind of enter that draft process, um, they're not very familiar with kind of how, you know, the next steps work. So it's our job, you know, to to give them that structure and um, to kind of explain to them, you know, these are the steps that will happen uh, from now up until the draft. And then once you get drafted, the steps that happen after that, uh, you know, leading up to training camp and then your rookie season. Um, but, you know, it's it's really most important for us is to provide the structure for them uh, with, with training and housing and just to implement kind of that Excel family, uh, you know, atmosphere to them, um, to give them, you know, all these opportunities to, to excel through that pre-draft process. You know, we want to provide them, you know, the, uh, the best training, the best strength and conditioning, the best, uh, you know, PT, um, you know, we want to make sure these guys are eating super healthy, meeting with a nutritionist. Like there's, there's so much that go into those couple months before the draft that are so important, you know, uh, as they travel to work out for teams and go to the combine, uh, you know, it's really, really um, important on our end to make sure they're as prepared as possible as they take this, you know, next step in their career. Right. That, that makes sense. Um, it, it is because like us as like people in the media and social media and just like the general population, all we think of, especially in the draft process, like I'm a big college basketball fan, especially, and then like heading into the pros, like we just see, big boards and like videos and highlights and stories and articles and tweets about like who's training where and who's doing this but like we don't get any no one gets any insight they think they do at like workouts like video workout videos and stuff like that we don't get anything um so it is like it's hard for people i think to grasp how much actually goes into those things in the back end that they just assume like oh like I'm just picking a guy you named Nick Richards, like Nick Richards is training with the Hornets and people were probably just like, he's going to the Hornets. Obviously he did, but that's not like, it's not always that story. It's not always that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think too, um, as, as the guys go to teams for workouts, like a lot of that stuff's not public knowledge. Like every team kind of does differently. Like some teams will post who's going to be in the workout each day and some teams won't really post at all. Um, so it, it's definitely hard to follow, like how many workouts each guys have and what teams he's working out for. Right. Um, you know, cause depending on the range you're in, that all kind of plays into what teams you're going to work out for. Like if, you know, you're in 10 to 20 and the Chicago bulls are picking 14, sure. It, it probably makes sense for you to work out for the bulls, but right. you're not going to work out for a team that has like only a late first round pick. If you kind of have that range of 10 to 20. Um, so there's definitely a lot of strategy that goes into, uh, you know, teams you'll be working out for during the process. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And I, th- I guess the later the later in the draft that you might be projected to go, the probably the more teams you might be working out with because it exactly you can go all over the place. Uh, that's exactly. cool. Was there? I, this is this is uh, I guess a different topic, but was, was there like a holy shit moment for you when obviously you were with a lot of these guys like Old Depot you said in Indiana and like a bunch of and Noah Vonley and stuff. But when you I guess on the XL side of things, even if, or if it was Indiana, either way, was there like a holy shit moment where like whether it was. At, you were at a game for something or you had an experience with somebody that you were just like, I am like in this scene now, like this is, this is my life. Hmm. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think the most exciting thing for me at IU was when Wofford hit that shot and like, that was just an unbelievable game and an unbelievable upset. Yeah. Just the, um, this, how, 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 how much kind of like the program took off after that. And just the media that went, went, you know, that took off just from him hitting that shot and kind of the whole camaraderie on the program, like it, it just kind of put IU back on the map. Uh, so being there on the court for that game was was pretty, you know, pretty amazing. And seeing like the celebrations yeah. after in the locker room and uh, and whatnot, that was that was that was probably my highlight of college. Um, that sounds NBA, like a fan moment too. Like that, like yeah. that shows how much of a sports fan you are and like can be still when you work in the industry and stuff, but. That like, and I'm a Maryland fan, and oh my headphones just went out. I think, oh, there we go. Um, I'm a Maryland fan, but I like, I I think Assembly Hall is one of the best places for a college basketball game in the entire country, if not one of the best. After like a couple of rain, obvious ones. I I, I agree uh, with that for sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Obviously, you're gonna agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Um, but yeah, that was a surreal moment. Um, just just to win on a game winner like that against number one team in Kentucky. Kentucky was, uh, absolutely loaded that year when you look right. at that roster. Um, and then I think, I think being on the Asian side, I would say like taking my first like player, like through the draft process, which was Nick and, mm-hmm. and him going 42, um, was pretty amazing. Just, just cause he's got such an unbelievable story coming from Jamaica and mm-hmm. you know, not really playing basketball until like eighth grade. And, um, you know, just, just to take him through that whole process. And, uh, when he went 42 and FaceTime him telling him that he's going 42, the Hornets, that was just an unbelievable feeling. Um, there was obviously a lot of motions going through it on, on his end and even our end. Um, but th- that was pretty amazing. Um, just, just to make that call, like as an agent, just to know, like, you know, right. uh, we kind of, we did this together and it, you know, it obviously all worked out. Uh, that was probably the coolest moment, um, from an agent um, side for me. That's a good point. Cause like, that's, a, that's, especially for a guy like that, like you said, his story, um, who I, he was such an animal in college. I love watching him. Um, but like, that's a life-changing moment for him, like more than anybody and to be able to be the person that shares that with him. So for guys that go like in like the second round usually or later, um, you're are you usually not with not with guys who might not who aren't at the draft? Or if you have like a couple of guys, like how do you how do y'all feel that and like figure all that situations out? Yeah, you know I think it's different by the year. Um, typically, you know we used to pre-COVID uh, yeah, we used yeah. to have like a suite at the Barclay Center, and all the agents and you know some other basketball staff would be in the suite. Um, and then whoever we had in the green room, their respective agents would be with them at their, their tables in the green room. Um, and then we would kind of just do our work during the draft in the suite. Um, it's been different the last couple of years. We've done it out of our um, conference room in the New York office. And then our other agents that aren't kind of in the New York area, they've just been Zooming. They, we were just on a Zoom conference call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then still the agents that were um, in the green room would, would go to the Barclays Center. Um, so I've been in the New York office the last couple of drafts just because of COVID and everything. Um, so it's different. Um, you know, we do, we do have people there with, with guys, uh, in the second round and, and, and even in the first round, just if they're not in the green room, they'll have kind of like a, 
uh, a draft party where they're from. Um, so we'll have representation with them. Uh, so, so it really just depends. Um, but for that instance with Nick, I was in the um, New York office when that happened. Okay, cool. Uh, I got one more draft question before we move on. Cause it's, these are just things popping in my head. Like I, it's, that's me being like super interested. <laughs> um, who, if, if I don't even, you can probably share this. Who gives you, who gave you the call? Who called you or who'd you get the call from? Nick is a good example or anybody normally yeah. to like tell it, let him know. He's gonna yeah. Um, that one was uh, Mitch Kupchak. He actually, um, he, he had texted um, Jeff Schwartz, the head of our um, basketball group, the, the head of Excel too. Um, he had texted him that they were taking him with that pick. That was a text um, message. Beforehand. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy how like fluid the draft is yeah. um, and how quickly things move because picks are being traded. And, you know, um, that was actually, uh, they had traded for that pick if I remember correctly. Um, so um, yeah, it, it moves super quick. And a lot of the communication, while there are a lot of phone calls, like some of that is via text message. Um, so yeah, that, so that, that specific one was via text. Yeah, I, that's cool though. It's just like you said, it's kind of like, it depends on what's going on and everything and um, where the, what range and where the guys are and like all this stuff. Um, that is cool. The Hornets, I mean, they've been loading, that's a, also its own example. They've been loading up on young players for a mm-hmm. couple of years now. Um, it yep. is exciting. That's gotta be exciting to like, that's your guy. And one of your guys, especially, but he's your first guy. And like, he's on a team that's such on, on the come up. Like, does that get you more invested? Are you a Knicks fan actually, first of all? No, not a Knicks fan. Are you a fan of anybody or can you not be Uh, a fan of anybody? I was a Nets fan growing up. Um, when they were in New Jersey, I was a big Nets fan. Uh, now it's really just rooting for my guys. It's hard (laughs) to like for a team. Uh, I'll just root for all my players on their teams and hope they do well. Um, so I really wouldn't say I'm a fan. I, I was also a huge Kobe fan growing up, so I love the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but but other than that, I would say right now I, I don't have allegiance with this specific team. It was easy to root for TLC then last year. Yeah, it was. Yeah, th- that made me a little bit more of a Nets fan again. Right. Barclays Center. That right, great. Right. If you're gonna be at the games, like you gotta root for the teams, you gotta root for your guys. So like yeah. at least you can root for the Hornets. Like a couple, there's a couple of teams and the guys like the Suns this year with Dario. Um, I hope he gets. I hope he's all right, healthy and stuff like that. I mean, didn't even, didn't even hit my head until now. It didn't even hit my brain. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Just happened in the first game of the finals. Um, yeah. It was rough. He, he was playing a super serviceable role too, and I remember like a a lot of people were, were really high on him, and like he was playing a really good role for the team and leading them, helping them lead to the to where they got to. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is cool though, I guess to like you don't have a locked in team, which can be good, but also can be bad. Like I, when, if you have one team, like us, like me as a fan, your team loses and you're like, it's the end of the world. It is the end of the world. So maybe that's- Are you mixed? I'm a Hawks fan, actually. Long story. I don't even want to share that right now. Until I'll, I can tell you after. They had, a, they had a good run last year though. Exactly. Right, but you, it's, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking to lose at that point, but still um, it was good. We're also a good young team. So but, yeah, definitely a really good young team. I, I think they're going to have another really good year. That's, I'm hoping – I mean, we, lock, we locked up guys. We locked up Collins and Capella and Trey all in the same yeah. offseason, which to me is like I, – I was surprised. I knew Trey was getting super maxed. Um, I did not think Capella was getting extended this year. I knew Collins obviously was a restricted free agent. Um, yeah, he's an Excel guy, John. He, he's he's a really, really good player. He Yeah, he is um, – I'm I, glad they kept him. Yeah, he to me, he's – he's people don't realize how, how efficient he is. It's not only a forward but a player. Like, he averaged 20 and 10 two years ago. He was a near 50, 50, 40, 90 player as a forward, as a big, yeah. which is absolutely incredible. Like he's, he's a future really, all-star. Really, for sure. really good athlete. He could, he does everything. Shoots, play by the rim. Yeah. Super athletic. Yeah. I yeah. think he's a big piece of them. He deserves the bag. He deserves the bag. He got the big payday. Uh, I'm definitely happy for him. So, 
Um, but yeah, so my next, my another question for you is, I guess kind of, it could be relative to more probably contracts and like, or anything situations. Has there ever been like one ridiculous request from a player? Like whether it's a thing in the off season, they're going to an event or like in a contract, like something that they're like, I need this done. Like I need this to do, to, I need X to do Y or else I'm not doing it. And maybe the guys aren't like that, a lot of them, but it doesn't have to be that demanding. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you don't have to share any names. I'm not trying to put anybody no, out no, there. Of course, I'm, not of doing that. I'm trying to think if there's anything uh, that, that jumps out at me. We usually like are pretty good about tempering uh, like, like <laughs> demands and expectations and, and those things. Like just cause um, it just gets so, it gets, it gets so complicated in situations. If like, there's this like crazy asks like that right. um, where it's just like from the other side, they're like, is he really asking that? And it just isn't a good look for us. Yeah. Um, let me think on that one. Nothing jumps to mind right now. If something pops in, yeah. you, you, you think about <laughs> it. Um, and oh. honestly, it could just be that, like, maybe not all NBA players, but, like, it could just be that they're more temperate people than, than people think, and they don't need crazy things, like, outside of the, the normal normalities of contracts and, like, yeah. negotiations and stuff. Uh, I will say probably, you know, the, the – the superstar level guys, I'm sure they have some. Yeah. Some, I, 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 they definitely have that. So whether that's like getting a guy on the coaching staff, like if it's their, um, you know, personal uh, basketball trainer, um, or just like vets that they really like to make right. sure that they, they get them on, like whether that's just a favor for a minimum and stuff. Like there's, there's definitely things like that 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 go on. Yeah, we we've seen that I think over the years too with like you talking about superstars, LeBron and stuff like that. Bringing it seems like the some of the same supporting cast all around. Um, and people refer to him as a GM and a coach more than Vogel and Palenka or anybody else. Um, but it, I guess that makes sense. The high is a hierarchy of things. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to ask you about, especially from someone on your, on your side of things, the Ben Simmons situation that's going on in the world right now, after the playoffs, like he is a very, very good player. I like, I've always been a Ben Simmons fan, but like, it's hard to be high on him after the playoffs, Rich Paul, we're not going to, we don't need to call it Rich Paul or anything. We're not doing that. Um, but he, he said that he wants Ben Simmons and his other client, Tyrese Maxey, both out of Philly. And he said that Ben only wants to play for three teams in California. Is there anything like, have y'all been monitoring that? Do you, is there anything weird that you guys think has been going on there? Um, I've just been, whatever I read on Twitter is kind of like the information I've, I've kind of gotten. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I, I think I saw a quote where he said like the Maxey thing wasn't true, um, that if he was included because of his talent, then he'd be included. But um, that he wasn't going out on a limb saying that on Tyrese. Um, but sure. it's the Ben thing's gotten a little messy where he's not going to, you know, not going to report and um, hasn't been communicating with the team. Obviously all that's hearsay. Who knows if that's actually true or not. Exactly. Um, but uh, I'd be shocked if he's with them for this, you know, to start the season. Yeah. I think at this point, anybody would be, it, he, that's the last, I mean, he really is going to go at some point, whether like, it's just a weird situation because a lot of players, I get, like, players have a lot of uh, arguing space and negotiation yeah. space, as they should. But Ben, off of signing a huge contract, so he's, he's right into the middle beginning of his massive contract. He just is – he's probably at the one of the lowest points in terms of, like, value of his career just because of what just went down. And he's demanding where to go. Like, that's the part that makes it, like, very strange is that, like, if anything – the Sixers are going to try to field whatever offers they can, it seems like, and do whatever they can to get him to somewhere where he wants to be. But he's yeah. like, I only want to be here. I only want to be in California. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's been much traction either 
uh, as of now with, with getting him moved. So I, I, I'm be very interested to see how that kind of progresses. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, the, the, the players, you know, in the NBA, obviously, you know, have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it's definitely different than another sport just because there's only five guys in the court and exactly. you can kind of put a value on each guy. And, um, you know, they make such more of an impact in basketball where it's only five guys versus, you know, other sports where it's 11 or, or, or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we, you know, we've seen this go on more and more, uh, in the NBA where guys kind of make demands and, um, and teams kind of have to, you know, oblige to them. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think we'll be seeing him in a different Jersey next year. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, you see a lot. I've been like, I love, love to look at contracts and stuff like John Collins. We mentioned before, it just came in my head. He, like his contract extension, he was, people were kind of 50, 50 where he's going to go. Like if he wanted to go just get as much money as he can or get more reps, because like when the Hawks brought in Capella, he lost a little bit of usage. So his production went down a little bit and people were like, he wants to go like get his volume up also, not just play for a good winning team, which I get um, at, into some capacity, but his like his last year on his contract is a player option. So maybe player options are more thing and like people writing into contracts. Have you experienced any of that with like guys getting new contracts or anything like that? I've seen any of that in the business as a trend or anything? Yeah, I think it's always good to have an out um, just from the player's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, the sooner, the sooner you get out of the contract, obviously the younger you are, um, the quicker you can get to that, you know, the next contract. He's also mm-hmm. still very, very young. So yeah, yeah. Um, that'll be another big contract for him, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, as in those, in those negotiations happen, um, you know, uh, there's kind of always a give and take. So right. you give us a player option, um, you know, maybe we'll give you an extra year in a deal, um, th- things like that. So there's always kind of a give and take. Um, so f- from that standpoint, Fair. it's kind of a win uh, with getting him a player option. So he could get out if, if he decides to do that, obviously, yeah. um, and get to that next contract. Yeah. Well, let's hope he doesn't go out and stays with the Hawks forever. Um, <laughs> but so you, you said you work with a lot of guys in the draft, like going even younger now with the NIL deals with, I saw him, I know Mike Williams is, is, was a big story a couple months ago, signed with XL. Like, is that, that he was obviously probably the, to my knowledge, the biggest high school athlete that you could sign other than maybe like Bronny or something like that. But in terms of pure basketball ability also, like how how did your did your your organization like go about that? Like how do you all feel about that and moving forward and progressing with like nil deals other than outside of like the pro pro landscape? Yeah, the the whole nil things. Um, you know, we're all kind of very very new to it. Mm-hmm. Um, us as an agency, you know, players that are in high school, <clears throat> even colleges now, obviously. Right, so right. it's all about can I, how quickly can you adapt? Um, and you know that was one of those things just scouring the market seeing you know kind of how how big of a following he has and um you know for a guy like that how marketable he is and kind of just tapping into that you know as quickly as possible and being able to pivot into that space um you know the nil stuff is certainly we like to phrase it as the wild wild west just because we opened up this new this all these new gates um and uh you know it's just you kind of got to tread water here um and and kind of figure it out as you go uh but you know he was a guy that that we kind of thought had, had obviously, you know, a very high market value. Um, he's got a, a crazy following for someone in high school. Mm. Um, you know, not everyone has a following like that, obviously. So you kind of have to be selective. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it was, it was an awesome get. And um, I think, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll have very high earnings. Yeah. The social media following is obviously the root. He's a super talented player. I know there's a lot of rumors about him going HBCU. He could go big, he go power five. He might just go to pros. He might go to like considering all these other options. Um, 
have you have you guys have you seen anything about like an overtime elite even like going overseas or playing through the G League route that like Kaminga did um, with a couple of those guys are there do you see a big trend going away from college basketball at all because like you obviously your roots your roots are college basketball I know you're a fan yeah, of it too sure. like do you see it ever being an issue for college basketball or just like a trend where it starts to have to share the wealth almost yeah I mean I think I think college isn't for everyone you know, there's some kids, once they're done with high school, if they don't have to go to college. They're certainly open to, to other avenues to get to the NBA. Um, you know, the G League Ignite obviously has had success with guys in this past draft. Um, <clears throat> you know, as soon as guys are done and if they were to sign with a program like G League Ignite, uh, you know, they can sign a sneaker deal. Um, they can, you know, obviously get paid from, from the G League Ignite, um, which is a good payday for them. Uh, and then it's just one year of playing in the G League and, you know, they do a good job putting these, you know, NBA level staff around them and um, providing structure to help them, you know, take them to the next level. Uh, the overtime elite stuff, you know, this is the first year that's that's been, um, you know, put into motion. They've certainly signed a ton of guys. Uh, and that's just kind of the same thing. Um, you know, the loser amateurism, uh, if they're getting paid. Uh, but like I said, you know, school is not for everyone. And this gives them a platform to, you know, to play all these other other teams and travel. And, um, you know, also the same kind of thing. They're putting the, these NBA um, level staff around them and giving them, you know, all this high level training. And I, I think it's appealing to, to some guys. And, you know, of course, every player's financial situation is different. And, you know, some kids, right. you know, depending on their their, their background, you know, need the money and to support their family. And this just gives them an opportunity to do that sooner, um, you know, than they were able to in the past. Right. And maybe, maybe college, you know, is almost going to be saved. And that's kind of what pushed them towards that, the NCAA, because these guys can earn earn money while they're going to college. So it's not really going to deteriorate that too much. Yeah. Um, but like the G League stuff, I, I think those guys have experience that no one else, that no one else in the draft process does other than maybe some of the Euro guys, like, cause they have a similar kind of pro mm -hmm. experience, like Giddy and stuff. Yep. Um, but like, only time will tell if like Jalen Green is obviously his he's almost on his own category because his skill is is so ridiculous. But guys like Kaminga and like Isaiah Todd and like go through the list and Dacia Nix like there will they succeed? Will it actually lead to like more success in the NBA because they played against pro pro level mm -hmm. players for a year instead of playing mm -hmm. against like Utah State and stuff like that? No offense to the to I think that the Aggies at Utah State, <laughs> you know? What I'm yeah, saying? yeah. I mean, people you know not everyone realizes like the G league is, I mean, you're playing against grown men. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, you're not playing against these freshmen and sophomores. Like you're playing, playing against guys in their mid twenties, high twenties, like guys that have been in NBA. Like it, it's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, for kids coming out of high school, like um, uh, it's an adjustment with, you know, the physicality of the G league and um, the, the speed of play and, and all that. Um, so, uh, you know, some guys, obviously a guy like Jaden green um, excelled, uh, right. you know, in that system, but other guys, you know, you could definitely see them struggling in a, in a, in a um, you know, uh, a league like that. Uh, and I, I think too, with, with the NIL stuff on the college level, um, maybe kids will be going to college again more be, just because now these college basketball programs could provide, um, you know, these deals um, and uh, local, um, you know, companies can now offer these guys deals to, yeah. to get them paid. So, you know, depending on how much money, like they are going to be able to bring in for these guys like that, that may, deter people now from going to the, you know, overtime elite or the G to ignite and uh, going to college. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how all this stuff plays out. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're only in the beginning of it. And like, like you said, like, even though G league ignite has been, they were active for a year, their results haven't been foreseen at all. Like we have no idea what's going to happen and the overtime league just getting going and stuff like that. Um, that makes sense. Uh, before we kind of completely wrap up, I want to give you kind of 
another floor to let anybody like young people like myself, like I, how many times have I hit you up and been like, I, I want to work in this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Like for kids, more of the younger generation, that's like, I want to be an agent. Cause like maybe like, 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 like us, like we were like decent athletes, but we couldn't play professional, obviously. What do you say to those kids? Like, in the, and not just like keep working or like get an internship, like what do they have to do to really take that next step? Whatever it might be. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, um, you know, the, the sports industry and entertainment industry, like if it's uber competitive, uh, you know, we get hundreds and hundreds of applicants for internships and mm-hmm. uh, hit up all the time for pe- from people asking, you know, for jobs and stuff. And I think the best advice I could give just from my experience, um, it's always like finding things you can do to differentiate yourself from like, you know, your, your competitors. Um, and, and for me, that was working for the basketball team at school and for other people, it might be different, but it's like kind of thinking outside the box because there's so many, there's so many applicants, there's so many, you know, other resumes that are getting looked at. It's like, right. what's, what's making you different from, you know, from this other person. Um, so that's really, really important. And I, I know people always say too, it's like all about networking. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's true. And it really is like a lot of it is who, you know, so I think just like constantly, being able to, to talk to people and get to know people in the industry. Like it's really all about like getting your foot in the door. And once you get your foot in the door, then it's, it's on you, you know, to do everything you can to continue to stay and like progress. Um, so like relationships, 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 like that's, that's super, super important. Um, and then, you know, you have to have that work ethic. You have to have that drive. You have to have, you know, you have to put in a good body of work and, you know, improve your worth. Uh, you know, it's not just about getting your foot in the door. It's about, you know, staying and like continuing to grow within the company or within other companies. Um, but, uh, you know, sports industry is tough. Like a lot of those jobs, I'm sure, you know, it's like entry level sales jobs and like those yeah. jobs are not easy by any means. Like that's, that's hard work. Um, yeah, but, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. but if you do well at a job like that, like you, you know, you prove your value and like, then you'll, you'll grow. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, it, it sucks that, that's the job you have to take to, to work for like the New York Knicks or, you know, or, or a team like that. Mm. Um, but, you know, once you're in, like do everything you can to continue to move up. Yeah. I, I think people don't realize, especially like kids, like I never realized until I did the research and like middle school, high school age that 99.9% of people don't come through. Uh, my family was this, or I knew that like, that's not how it works where I like Sam Presti is one of my favorite GMs, obviously in the league, like he's a wizard and, and with in interesting tactics right but he like he was chasing people up and down like a, a Colorado summer camp of a court trying to like get an internship or something like that with the Spurs or something like that and that's how he got in and, and then yeah. Popovich and then did the work like you said uh, but I think people don't don't realize that in the sports industry like they just need you just need to do everything you possibly can like everything extend every communication you can to every networking possibility and put the work in and prove yourself you're right yeah no there's a lot of um really cool stories like that. I know Brad Stevens, his story was really interesting where he, I think he was like a manager at Butler or something like that, or a volunteer assistant um, and just worked his way up the the coaching ranks. And now obviously he's the head coach of the Boston Celtics, but um, there's a lot of stories like that of guys starting off as video interns and uh, you know, I think was, it was a video intern for the heat um, and worked his way up to the head coach. Like you start, you start, you know, at the lowest point and you just climb the ladder. Yeah. That's it's it's good. It's like raw advice, honestly, for anybody that needs it out there. Um, but yeah. right, before we head out, I'll let you plug any socials, uh, anything you want to say at all. I'll, I'll tell you. 
my my IG at Jared Mucha. It's pretty simple. Um, uh, what is I don't even, I I I can't even tell you the last time I actually tweeted. I'm all about the retweet or uh, just liking stuff. So I don't even know what my Twitter is to be honest. That means um, for anyone listening, it's the best way to connect with him because if he gets any notifications, <laughs> he knows it's it's something weird. So there you go. <laughs> oh man. I think it might be Jared Mucha. Let's see what my that's, Twitter is. That's okay. It's whatever it is. It's all good. Yeah, it's, it's Jared is. Mucha underscore. There you go. Underscore. Don't forget the underscore, everybody. Well, and so, what's your TikTok? I heard you're a big TikTok guy. Are we gonna shout out the TikTok? I I, I will shout TikTok. <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone that's listening probably came from TikTok. So you're you are inspiring the younger generation. You're inspiring the younger generation. This is this is kind of how the podcast started from TikTok. Um, it's not famous, not the right word because I am not famous. It's more like TikTok you're, clout. And then you're, you're, to, you're trending uh, upward on TikTok. I'm doing my best. I am doing I'm ready my for the best. dancing videos though. We're 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 all about the the, the sports videos and stuff. Where's the uh, dance video? I did promise last year <laughs> during free NFL free agency if the Jets signed Juju, I would have. I forget what the the Corvette Corvette thing that he did on the all the fields. Um, I would have done that if he signed with the Jets and I wanted him to I actually wanted to sign with the Jets. That's why I said that I'm actually happy. He didn't sign with the Jets now. Really? Well, because I didn't want to do the Corvette dance. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, oh, my pleasure. Anytime. I hope you have, I hope, I hope the NBA season treats you well. I'm going to try to get you on probably as many times as I can, because this is good. These are good <laughs> conversations to have for me and the people. So no. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, have a wonderful labor day. And, uh, when I'm back in back in Jersey, uh, hopefully I'll see you around. Yeah, we're, we'll connect for sure. I'm a man. I'm a man. Take care. Talk to you soon. Now for the weekly segments. This segment is going to be, I don't have a name for it yet. Uh, we'll call it the weekly move, I guess. First time I'm ever doing this one where I take one off-season transaction or occurrence from sports, whether it's a draft pick, a trade, a free agency signing, and kind of just dive into it and analyze it. We're going to look at the numbers, how the contract is balanced out, how many years, et cetera, et cetera. Today is going to be John Collins re-signing with the Atlanta Hawks. He was a restricted free agent. A lot of people thought he was going elsewhere after his rookie contract had ended. He, to give you to preface, he turned down a four-year $90 million contract. So what is that? $22.5 million per year before the season. So this, this contract is five years, 125, so that's 25 per year. So 22.5 to 25, it's barely more than the Hawks were giving. And the fifth year is a player option. So I think going back to John and saying, we'll give you a little more in the salary and we'll give you an extra year as a player option. So you can, it kind of like locks in his future a little more for himself, more stability. So I do get that. I think the Hawks played it right here. I think they offered him a really healthy contract before the season. He said, no, they said, let's focus on basketball. We will get your contract done because he's a restricted free agent, not, a, not an unrestricted free agent going into the offseason. People think he's overpaid in this contract. I, I'm, I'm biased. Obviously, I'm a Hawks fan. I really think I'm not when I say that he's not overpaid. The max for a guy of his age and his setting in the NBA and how many years he's been in the NBA, because that's it kind of differs like that, would have been, if he signed a four- or five-year contract, would have been around 30 to $35 million per year. So getting him at 25 per year, which is well under the max, I think is a pretty is a really good lock. The contract is a little back end heavy, so he starts out at like 22 or 23 million per year, and he ends it at like 26, 27. Um, but that's normal because just like the max goes up and guys' contracts go up, they get more. They should be getting more valuable. I think John Collins is a future All Star for sure. I think he's that good. 
He's a guy who averaged 21 and 10 two years ago. His production went down a little bit this past year, but that's because they added Clint Capella in the, in the, in the front court, like adding a guy that takes up that much space and that much production on, on both ends of the floor is only natural, but it makes the team better. Um, so looking at Collins efficiency though, is where I think you can really see how good he is. He's been shooting 55% plus from the field for his whole career. He shoots 40% from three. He's been going inclining up in the free throw percentage. Now I think he shoots 83% from the free throw line. A guy that's borderline 50, 40, 90 at the forward position, at power forward, at a big, that is almost unheard of, especially even in the modern NBA with guys being able to stretch the floor and do all kinds of versatile things. John Collins is a future all-star in my opinion. I don't think he's overpaid at all. I really, really think the Hawks needed to do everything they did to make sure that they have their core three together. They super extended Trey for five years. They extended Clint Capella for two more years after the, after these couple of years. And now they have John Collins locked up. Those are their three best players. Their three best players. Capella is like 27, 28. He's not super old, not super young, but having Trey at 22 and John Collins at 23 locked up for four plus years moving forward is a huge win in my book because this is a team coming off a conference championship run. Whatever you want to say about it, they beat the one-seeded Sixers. They almost swept the Knicks. This is a team that wants to try to reach NBA an NBA title in the next few years, and they only want to get better. They don't want to get any worse than a conference championship for next year because that's where they were this past year. So I think keeping their guys, their best players around is the biggest priority. John Collins was definitely the biggest priority in the offseason for the Hawks, and I, as a Hawks fan, am very happy we still have him. I also don't have to return my jersey, so that's good. Um, but I think as a general NBA fan, I really think this is a good signing. Cannot let him walk. They could not let him walk at all. And like I said, under the max for a borderline 50, 40, 90 forward is unheard of. He's a borderline top 10 power forward. He will be probably after this year, one of the best players in the 2017 class. I think it was a really good signing. He's not overpaid. And I, I think everything made sense for both sides, for both parties, the Hawks and Collins. Um, now onto the weekly Q&A. So the first question comes from grief underscore geo on TikTok. He asked Ben Simmons, he asked about Ben Simmons to the Warriors, not how it wouldn't work well, basically. It's a weird, weirdly worded question, but he was just asking because they have Draymond, do they need Ben Simmons? Do they want Ben Simmons? I think Ben, he wants to play in California. He said that Golden State was one of the teams, Golden State, LA, LA. They have the young pieces to get it done, the Warriors. Um, but we're, obviously we're talking in terms of pure basketball sense right here. He is not Draymond. I understand people think he'll be better as a Draymond type role. He is better than that. Like he is more skilled than Draymond Green is and has ever been to be, to be completely honest. Draymond's a great player. He's a, one of the best role players ever. Um, but Ben Simmons is more than that. I think he's super talented. He can play almost any position on the floor. He can defend any position on the floor. And I think he has more of an offensive skill set than Draymond has had. He's super athletic too, especially on the drive. So I don't think that it's going to overcrowd or anything it gives more freedom. Steph already has the freedom. It gives more freedom to Steph and Clay, though, on offense. Clay's a good defender. We'll see if he comes back to that. But if you put Steph and Clay and Ben as your front, as your backcourt three, I guess, three guards, quote unquote guards, we'll call them. I think that is one of the best trios in the league because maybe not in terms of complete skill, they're the best trio, but in terms of balance and how they're going to play together, I think it's perfect. I think Ben Simmons can play in the pick and roll as the role guy. I obviously he has to work on his shot and stuff like that and being able to stretch the floor in that sense. But I think they have Stephen Clay, so they don't need to keep shooting. They don't need that. They, I think Ben would fit perfectly. I really don't think it'd be a problem with Draymond at all. Um, Draymond's a gritty kind of player. Ben Simmons, 
he, he's not gritty. He's not the word I would use. He's a very, very good defender, uh, but he's not the guy, the hustle guy. That is what Draymond is. That's the difference between Draymond and Ben Simmons. Draymond's a good defender because of his work rate and he is the hustle guy and Ben Simmons is just physically gifted. So I think having those two guys to counterbalance the other side with Clay and, Clay and Steph, I think works perfectly. So that next question we got from the Miami Dolphins. They didn't ask me this. I'll be honest. They did not ask me this personally, but I want to talk about it. The Dolphins are asking, who is the best Spider-Man? That's, they were asking their players that on social media, and I have to chime in. I, if anyone watching on YouTube, you can see my chair. It's a Spider-Man chair. You can see Spider-Man, little Funko Pop back there. I'm a big MCU guy. Also a huge Spider-Man fan. <sighs> I grew up watching Tobey Maguire. I grew up watching Tobey Maguire, the original Spider-Man movies. Those are the classic ones. Those get me going. Those are nostalgic. But the Venom movie, Spider-Man 3, ruined Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. That movie was so bad. Like that scene of Tobey Maguire walking down the street with the slicked hair. He's all like goth or emo. And he's like doing finger guns at people, pow, pow, and at the girls. And he's like thinking that it's working and stuff is so... Like it depicts the whole story of, of that movie and how awful that was. It just like, honestly, it grosses me out. It's pretty cringeworthy. The, the first two movies were very good. Don't get me wrong. And Tobey Maguire himself was a great Spider-Man. I think the, the thing I'm getting at here is Tom Holland doesn't miss. Tom Holland does not miss as Spider-Man. He, was in, he had two Spider-Man movies, right? He was in Captain America Civil War. He was in Avengers Infinity War. He was in Avengers Endgame. And he didn't miss in any of five of those movies. And... He has another movie coming out. So to be fair, I guess we can wait a little while because Tobey Maguire had three standalone Spider-Man movies. And this is this is Tom Holland's third standalone Spider-Man movie. So maybe that'll be easier and more fair to compare, I guess. But Tom Holland does not miss. And on top of that, he, he is more personable. Like Tobey Maguire to me wasn't like a personable guy, relatable. Obviously, they're Spider-Man. They're not going to be relatable. But they like he just as a character i just didn't feel like connected to him that much other than he's the protagonist of the movie that's the only way i felt connected to him at all whereas tom holland i like genuinely like when i watch the movies and i'm like i hope he wins and succeeds in this movie whatever he has to do um but so i'm going with tom holland that's my final answer lock it in tom holland for 500 there you go uh and don't mention andrew garfield i gotta be honest People, some people like him. Those movies weren't good. He didn't last long as the Spider-Man before it came to MCU for good reason. Uh, the Miles Morales movie was good. The Spider-Verse one, it's just so different. And like, he can't really be considered as like the best Spider-Man, obviously. It doesn't matter. The answer is Tom Holland. Um, as someone who grew up watching Tobey Maguire, I am saying Tom Holland. So you can lock that in. Um, but that's going to be it for our episode today. I'm going to call it there. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Leave a review. Hit me up on social medias at RyanHammer9 on TikTok and on Instagram and at RyanHammer09 on Twitter. Big season, big week coming up with the NFL season starting. We didn't really get into it, but we'll start to get into it as much as we can. Uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Hit me up with whatever you got, suggestions, comments. I also need a name for that segment, that weekly move segment where I analyze, you know, we did John Collins today. Um, but any suggestions I accept, I appreciate there. But like I said, hope you guys have a great week. Hope everybody wins in fantasy football this week. They're week one. Not everyone can win. I am going to make sure my teams are ready to go in the locker room. That's all I know. Um, but, hey, enjoy football. Enjoy your week. Hope you guys have a good one. Thank you all for listening. Mm -hmm.